are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. Hello, my friends, and welcome to Coffee with Kim. I invite you to journey with me to a new day. I believe God has led you to this moment and this place because he is about to bring purpose and potential to your story. So join thousands of women and men from around the globe who have discovered how powerful their stories become once Christ touches them with his purpose. Don't you long to make this same discovery? Then grab your coffee, scoot in, and join me as we let God's Word reveal how every part of your past has been preparing you for this very moment. I've heard it said that the only pain worse than birthing a child is burying a child. I must admit to you right off, I cannot even imagine the agony of such a loss. I have two boys, and to have lost one of them, I just, I don't, I don't know how you survive. But maybe I do. Maybe it's only by the grace of God. Today, you'll hear from a young couple who know this loss and finding a way to, uh, to heal the, the wounds and the loss from this. But today you'll hear that not only are they finding a way to, to heal themselves and to comfort themselves, but, gosh, they're finding ways to help others heal from this pain. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee, Conversations of Friends of Faith to Encourage and Equip. I'm Kim Crable, your host, and today is going to be one of the most inspiring shows that you'll ever hear So call your friends and jump on now because you don't want to miss the story of Theo and Brittany Fascinola. You know, stillbirth, infertility, pregnancy loss, and infant loss affects thousands upon thousands every year. But yet, it's something that's so hard to talk about. Today, Theo and Brittany are finding the courage, and let me tell you, I can't even imagine the courage it takes to be able to come on air and to speak of this. But they're going to talk about their tender story of loss. But it's what they have done in the midst of this sadness. That is the story that will inspire you today. And, put, and I pray will continue to help you along the healing if you know that loss. So let's get started with this incredible programming today. And let's begin by inviting on air my friends, Theo and Brittany Fascinola, Good morning, friends. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. Yes, thanks for having us, Kim. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, oh, it's so it's just so good to even hear your voice, Brittany. She and I went through some, a study together, the burdens, the blessings, and became good friends then. And you know, ever since then, I just I just love you all. Even and even though Theo, Theo and I have never met in person. I love his mom and dad so much. I mean, he's like family, right? Right, guys? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Your mom and dad and I have been friends for so long. So, um, And they are such an inspiration and anchor to this ministry. Don't even know what I'd do without them. Well, friends, let's go ahead and get started today. Let's, let's first start by just allowing you to introduce yourself to our friends who are listening in today. So tell us something about yourself, like where, where are you calling in from? Where do you live? What do you do for to, to put food on the table? Tell us just something about yourself. Well, um, this is Theo, and um, we're calling in from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and I, I like to tell people that I sell knives um, in a trench coat on the corner. That's kind of my joke. But um, if you're familiar with Cutco Cutlery, um, that is, I'm a sales representative for them. And specifically, I sell um, clothing gifts to real estate agents. Um, And I'm Brittany, and um, Theo's business um, has kind of become he has started his own business through the Cutco world, um, and I am a graphic designer, so I get to do um, all of his marketing work. Um, so I design the website and emails and various print things that he might need for events, um, as well as the rest of the people on his team. Okay, right there, 
I have already learned something I did not know. Brittany, you did not tell me you were a graphic designer. <laughs> okay. We, uh-huh. there, there, there's a secret there that we need to know in the ministry. <laughs> I have a, well, I have a feeling great. I'm going to be hearing from you. <laughs> you hey, listen, I'm, I'm on your doorstep. Just look outside. I'm, I'm there already. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I love about you two so much is how much you love the Lord and, you know, watching your lives and, and how you have, um, you know, how you make life real, even through the struggles. You don't hide that. You don't cover it up. You don't go into your homes and shut the door and come out, you know, with, with plastic smiles. You know, you allow the world to see you raw and in your pain. And I know why you do that, because you want others to see the glory of God in you, and and to be as young as you are, and so how young are you? So our audience knows because you are mere <laughs> children to <today>. me. <laughs> yeah, how young are we? Um, well, I always say I married. Um, she she married a baby because I'll be thirty three <laughs> in January, and she'll be thirty three in December. So I'm literally only a month younger than her, but it's a year on paper. So, <laughs> but yeah, we're thirty two oh. right now. <laughs> I'm sure. You- I bet you use that a lot. Brittany, I can just hear the joking now. <laughs> well, guys, <laughs> what fun. All right. Well, let's go, get on into this program. I wanted I wanted our audience to get to know you a little bit. Let's just let's just talk about um, you know, talk about your family and what brings you to the show today. Yeah, so I'll introduce our family and then let Brittany talk a little bit about what brought, brought us here. Um, so I'm Theo and Brittany, and we got married in 2016, so um, almost six years. And um, we have four kids, two here and two in heaven. Um, Tessa is our oldest, and she's here. Um, she'll be four in November. Um, our second was Hannah, um, who was stillborn in October of 2019. Um, Our third was James, who um, we miscarried last year, October of 2020. And our fourth is sitting here with us, um, is Seth David, and he was just born a little over a month ago. So I'll let Brittany kind of talk about what brought us here. Yeah, if you hear little baby sounds, um, that's because uh, Seth is joining us for this radio show. (laughs) Um, Oh, that is (laughs) cool. So, yeah, so um, in October of 2019, um, I was 29 weeks pregnant, um, and I just realized um, after a day or two that I wasn't feeling as much movement um from my baby and we didn't know at that point if it was a boy or a girl we were um going to be surprised um and so um i just realized that i hadn't felt as much movement as i had previously and so um i went to the doctor um and to check on everything and everything seemed okay um at that time and so Um, I was hooked up to a monitor for a while, um, and then my doctor just said that, you know, just because of the decreased movement that um, she recommended that I go on to the hospital and have them hook me up for a little bit longer um, to be monitored. So um, I went to the hospital, and um, I was hooked up there, and there was a steady heartbeat, and um, we felt so much better knowing that um, everything seemed okay um, with the baby. Um, and then, um, they decided to do an ultrasound, like a 30 minute test, um, an ultrasound and everything passed. She passed the test. It wasn't like the best, but, um, she was moving slowly, um, but she was definitely moving and her heart was strong and everything seemed okay. And something happened within about 30 to 45 minutes after they finished the ultrasound, um, they went to hook up the heart monitor um, just to have it on me a little bit longer, and they couldn't find a heartbeat. Um, so we don't know what happened um, in that in that short time after seeing her on the ultrasound. Um, but um, we lost her sometime that that day, and that was on October 23rd. 
Oh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, she died on October 21st, um, 2019. Um, and then I was induced um, that evening, and um, she was born on October 23rd. You know, you, you, I hear you saying that, um, and I know the pain that was in that. I remember um, being with um, Theo's mom and praying through those days and they rushing down there, um, birthing that child. Um, take us through some of that because I know a lot of, Parents have gone, oh, listen to Seth. I heard that little thing. <laughs> Tell us what, walk through that and how you were able to um, go through that. From from your sure. perspective, uh, Brittany, and also Theo's. Sure. Um, so I was immediately, when when we were trying to understand that, she was gone um we immediately asked if it was a boy or a girl so we could put a name to her because we had a name picked out for both and um and they told us it was a girl and so we immediately knew it was hannah and um i think that i assumed that the birth would be the most traumatic of the full experience um but i realized in hindsight after after going through the delivery the most traumatic was the words, we can't find a heartbeat. And I know so many women and men that are listening to this um, have heard those words um, through experiencing a miscarriage, um, through experiencing stillbirth, just um, those words are devastating. Um, and that's an understatement. I mean, they're life-altering. And so I think that um, that, that that was the most, traumatic um just and the most the one the memory that is seared kind of into your mind um going forward um the the labor was very painful um not physically because i got an epidural um immediately um and painful because my my body just takes forever to deliver a baby so i was induced and 55 hours later, um, she was born. So it was just a very long process of waiting and wondering and ready for it to be over, ready to meet her face to face, just so many feelings. Um, and it was, it was very, very difficult, um, to go through those days. But, um, but on the, the other end, I think that sometimes, when people go through something like this, um, if the baby's born really quickly, um, they don't have time to process, you know, what are we going to do? Are we going to take pictures of our baby? Are we going to want to spend time with our baby? Are we going to want to, you know, give a bath to our baby or get, get her dressed, um, have a funeral, like all of those, those things that no parents should ever have to think through. Um, but we had those few days in the hospital waiting for her to be born um, to kind of process through that. Um, and so it turned out that I um, was thankful that my labor took that long. At, at the time, I was very, very angry. Um, but I turned, it turned out I was, I was actually thankful that God let us have a couple of days to process and figure out what we wanted to do. Um, and we called um, a friend, um, her name was Kittery, and she had gone through a similar experience a couple years before, um, and she actually came to visit me in the hospital in those days that I was in labor um, to just walk me through some of the questions that she remembered having, um, and she just encouraged us to do everything that we could, take all the pictures, do all the memories, do everything, and you don't have to look at them later. You know, if you get footprints and, and handprints and all those things, those are things that you, you can bury them and never see them again. But if you turn out, turns out that you want them later, you can't come back to this day um, and do it differently. So um, I thought that was such good wisdom, and I was so thankful that we did all those things. We got some really precious pictures and had some precious memories um, that we got to make. And that was our only 
time with her. So I was just so thankful that we took advantage of it in that way. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to, to Theo for his perspective. Thank, th- thank you, Brittany. I know this has taken a lot of courage for you to talk about because I'm sitting here with just tears dropping off my chin. And I know uh, I know LaDine and Tom and anybody else that's listening, which, by the way, I was going to invite anybody that would like to call and make a comment or to um, say a word to Theo and Brittany. You can surely do that on the second part of our show. And you can do that by calling 347-324-5246. Be sure and press one. Maybe you're listening and you have a question like uh, uh, like Brittany had that her friend came in and answered, and I'm sure that Theo and uh, Brittany would be more than glad to answer your question. So if you're out there and you just have a question, you can call in uh, the last half of our show um, from okay. 1030 to 11, 347-324-5246. Just be sure and press one. You'll go into a virtual waiting room, and I'll be alerted that you're online, and I'll bring you in. So um, thank you so much, Brittany. And that takes so much courage, and I just want to um, to honor you f- for the courage that that took. And now, Theo, because I know so many times we think about this as just the mom's hurt and pain. We know it's the dad, but it's harder for us to understand. So can you help us understand from, from a dad's perspective? Yeah, so, you know, I think for me um, that day, as I think a lot of husbands, a lot of dads, um, you know, the the mom, the pregnant woman has a lot of concerns, and I think pregnancy in general is a mental battle, um, you know, because it's, it, you know, especially the first time, but even every time it's different and the child's different, and so there's a lot of struggles and worries that the mom goes through. And I think our role as a husband and a dad is to um, to help them, you know, overcome those worries and fears. And I think with Hannah, I learned that it's not always wise to say, um, no, it's not a big deal, right? That was kind of my go-to, like our first daughter, Tessa, and then this was our second pregnancy with Hannah. My go-to, just like probably many dads, listening when Brittany had concerns, you know, um, me being kind of an outsider, not being in tune with her body, most of the time would kind of just ease her mind and like, oh, I'm sure it's, you know, nothing, you know, call the doctor or, you know, "Ah, I don't even think you need to call the doctor. It's fine. And so I think for me, the experience with Hannah started the night before we went in when Brittany was kind of having those worries in the middle of the night and was waking me up and I started with the typical reassuring her that everything would be okay. Let's just get a good night's sleep. And then in the morning, if you're still worried, why don't we call the doctor then? And I think for me, that's probably been over the last two years, one of those things that um, I wish I didn't do, right? You know, the what if that you kind of, that comes with any grief um, that, that I've wrestled with as a dad, as a husband. Um, and even that morning when she called the doctor and expressed her concerns and then called me that she was coming in, in my mind, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Nothing was, you know, going to be wrong. And I was almost validated when we did go and there was a heartbeat and everything was fine. You know, it was like kind of like, see, right? I didn't necessarily say that to Brittany, but in my head I was thinking, yeah, everything's fine. And I think that that for men we can feel that way, especially with um, with pregnancy because it's it's foreign to us. So of course it's going to all work out. Um, and so for me it was kind of entering that loss. And so with our pregnancy with Seth, any time that Brittany had a worry, I was like, let's call the doctor. You know, like let let's just reassure you from a from a medical standpoint. You know, and and I don't know, right? And and I had to kind of come to grips with that through that pregnancy that I didn't. You know, I can't reassure because I am not a doctor, <laughs> you know, but I can reassure right. in a positive way, like, let's pray about it. Let's call the doctor about your concerns and almost validating your wife's concerns, right? Letting her listen to mm-hmm. her body and her mind, even if it is just worry, um, you know, sometimes it might not be. Um, so I think the experience for me was that. And so then we went to the hospital, like Brittany mentioned, and Things looked okay. It wasn't perfect. Um, And 
the the human side of me, I was starving. <laughs> so okay. I was I was somewhere else in my head while we were doing that ultrasound, like, okay, how much longer until I can go get food? <laughs> um, and those listening that might know me, I am a hangry person without food. <laughs> so when everything was, con- when everything was confirmed that, um, you know, that she was doing okay, they were just going to hook up Brittany for um, some more testing. I actually left to go get food for both me and Brittany and then when I came mm-hmm. back, um, they were still struggling to find the heartbeat um, on the monitor. So, again, in my mind, everything was fine. The baby was just moving around. And um, I think that moment that Brittany talked about, um, it is true. You know, like when we lost James as well, that line of there is no heartbeat. Um, is the most traumatic part um, of the whole experience. And I think with Hannah, it was almost an out-of-body experience for me as an observer. Um, But here I am sitting there holding Brittany's hand. Everything was fine. I have food that I'm ready to eat. And the doctor comes back in to do an ultrasound only to really just help the nurses find where the baby's position because sometimes those monitors can be mm-hmm. finicky and mm-hmm. when she mentioned when she said those lines she actually said her exact words were there is no heart tones um to which i actually responded what does that mean um that that whole experience for me that those whole like five minutes i remember just feeling like i wasn't in the room there was a nurse in there and this nurse has become a dear friend of ours through the experience but i remember thinking in my head she answered that question the doctor it means there's no heartbeat and that was kind of the moment that i was i went out of the room almost and my mind was looking at the nurse thinking wow she was really doing a great job being sympathetic for us right now you know, and then I would look at the doctor mm-hmm. and the doctor had tears in her eyes. And I was like, that's a really caring doctor. You know, it's almost as if I mm-hmm. wasn't accepting what was happening. So I had to like remove myself from the room and look at the three people in the room, the nurse, the doctor and Brittany. Um, mm-hmm. And then like when I came back, I think as a, as a husband and as a dad, in that moment, when you look at your wife who's grieving, um, it all of a sudden becomes about them. Um, And so Mm -hmm. right or wrong, um, you kind of muster up all the strength you can to not experience your own grief. And now Mm -hmm. trying to be like the rock for, for the wife. And I think that experience, you know, and later on taught me that sometimes as dads, we don't grieve because we're always Mm -hmm. trying to be the rock for that grief Mm -hmm. for the wife. And, and it's and it's good in certain moments, but in other moments, the dads do need to grieve too. Um, and so I've learned that throughout the two years. But in that moment, I was definitely when I came back from that experience, it was, you know, that out of body experience. I kind of came back, and then as Brittany mentioned, the the labor and the length of time, you know, I kind of was just numb. And going through, okay, how can I, you know, let's get an epidural, let's make Brittany's pain less painful, let's, you know, pray that this labor will be quick. Yeah, just organizing everything, all the people that were calling us, you know, just taking any burden away from Brittany that she doesn't have to do because she's doing the physical burden. I think a lot of men also experience that too. Like I I can't take the physical pain away from her, so I'm going to take all of the emotional pain away from her. of having to tell other people the story or have to um, organize a funeral or, or little things like that. So I definitely, in those two weeks following Hannah, kind of took charge. Um, and the last thing I'll mention that's kind of on my heart, too, I think that, for me, started um, my struggle with anxiety. Um, I had a lot of anxiety, and I think that can happen to a lot of dads that go through this because we don't allow ourselves to feel the grief and we're kind of um, trying to take control instead of putting it in God's hands. 
Um, and that mm-hmm. can, you know, induce a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of stress that, that's not needed in that experience. Um, a lot of loneliness, too. I think as dad and men, you can kind of feel by yourself because a lot of the grief and counsel is given to the mom and the woman, um, which is needed, but the dad can often be forgotten about. Um, so, yeah, so for me, you know, I think it was learning in those last, in the last two years for us, how to give up that control to, to God. And uh, when I start to feel that anxiety or start to feel that stress, realizing that, that I'm not alone, you know, that he's with me, even if I feel like, you know, I have to take on everything um, from the grief or the pain. Thank you, Theo, so much. I, I, know that you all have been working for two years to get to the point to where you can share the story and I can't imagine still the pain. I, I did see some pictures of Hannah um, that um, that Shug, <laughs> your, your kid's uh, grandmother, Legina, my friend, shared with me um, some of those just really sweet tender moments that you had with her and I think there was a I think there was a special singing that you all, there was just a special time and way, the way that you all honored her life. Um, I just want to hit upon um, what, something that I think is, um, I, I wanted to ask you about. Tell me and tell our audience, when did you start to grieve? Well, number one, number one, I love the way that you all instantly became a team. Uh, Brittany was doing what she needed to do. You jumped in with what you could do. So, you know, for the listeners out there, so many times, you know, the wife will take it on and just say, I'll, I'll do everything. Um, and then the man kind of gets lost in all that. I love how you two immediately, and I believe that, I believe that's your faith. I'd love to ask you about that, but how you immediately became a team because, Statistically, so at, at a loss like this, so many couples start begin their own journeys, which take take each other away from one another. So I love how you immediately bonded as a team. Um, but then, so I'd like to ask you how much of your faith had to do with that bonding. And then I'd like to ask um, about when you began to grieve. But before we can do that, we're, we're going to have to take just a 30-second break. So is that okay when we come back that you all will talk to us about how your faith uh, brought you together as a team immediately um, and then when the uh, grief of the, of the man actually started? Let's, let's hit those two things when we get back. Is that okay with you all? Yeah, that works. Okay, great. Well, let's take a 30-second 30, 30 break, uh, friends, and we'll be right back. Opiates has taken everything and everyone I've ever loved away from me. Everything. I blew my ankle out and I got prescribed pain pills by my doctor. If making my detox public is going to help somebody, I'm all for it. I just wish I would have had a warning. Opioid dependence can happen after just five days. Know the truth. Spread the truth. A message from Truth, the Ad Council, and ONDCP. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Coffee, conversations of friends of faith to encourage and equip. We certainly hope that this story is not only encouraging you, but it is inspiring you and equipping you with ways to get over any type of loss in your life. There are so many people who are suffering so many losses right now, especially after all the things that are going on in our world. And I pray that some of these principles, some of these things that Theo and Brittany are talking about truly will, will touch your heart. Before we get back to them, I'd like to remind you that you can uh, find more about my ministry, our ministry, at KimCrable.org, KimCrable.org. We are a ministry of friendship, and we are actually taking that that uh, teachings of the ministry of friendship on the road on 2022. We are going to be visiting 15 states. And we're going to be bringing together the remnant of God's people and sharing how important the ministry of friendship is. We have so many other things going on, our Burdens to Blessings facilitator training, so many things that we would love for you to be a part of. So please go to www.kimcrable.com. 
org and see how you can be involved. We would love to have you. Before we go back to Theo and Brittany, I'd like to remind you, if you have a question or a comment, uh, please call in 347-324-5246. Be sure and press 1 if you have a comment or a question relating to this type of loss. I know they would love to hear from you. All right, now let's get back. Theo and Brittany, again, I just want to thank you so much for your courage to talk about um, Sweet Hannah and James. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about James before we uh, conclude here. But let's get back to the part about how you two, because statistically, like I said before, statistically, you know, immediately the, the mom and the dad began to go their own ways. I don't think it's intentional at all. It's just that's just the way it is. And then the, the loss of conversation begins the loss of comforting one another. And before long, we see how the divorce rate just skyrockets due to such a loss. Please tell us how, what brought you, was it your faith? What was it that immediately caused you all to begin teamwork? Yeah, I would say for me, um, I felt um, the Lord's presence almost immediately. Um, And Brittany would probably say the opposite. Um, so, you know, we immediately had, um, people in the, in our hospital room within an hour, you know, Brittany's dad was the first on the scene, just like he was with our firstborn Tessa. And that's always been a sweet memory. Um, and, um, her sister and just a lot of our friends, um, we were actually pregnant with four others at the same time as we were in a group of friends. Um, and one of them actually did have a miscarriage and then we had um, a stillbirth with Hannah. So those four couples actually were one of the first on the scene too. And um, which was sweet, you know, it was very sweet to um, be surrounded by them and them really understand the gravity of the loss um, because of, of them being pregnant as well. Um, and also kind of losing that opportunity to raise our kids together. So they almost grieved as well. Um, So I just felt Mm -hmm. it from a community. Faith has always been, for me, um, community. You know, like you have the Bible, you have um, scripture memory, you have prayer, and you have community and and some other aspects. And I typically feel the Lord's presence the most through community. And so for me, I think that's why um, immediately I felt him. Our pastors were there. We had two pastors that were there pretty much the whole 55 hours other than nighttime. Um, so I think that brought me um, closer to Brittany. Um, and mm-hmm. our first um, child, Tessa, we had had a really big scare because Brittany actually got preeclampsia. Um, and so mm-hmm. that whole labor and delivery um, made us a team immediately, you know, just kind of that push and pull. She did it all naturally, um, 65 hours of labor. So I always say that to brag on her. She hates it. But um, <laughs> two years before the experience with Hannah, labor and delivery room um, was kind of already that team experience that for me mm-hmm. um, and for her. So we kind of knew how to do that, even in the midst of this you know, tragedy and loss, um, we had experienced that fear before with Tessa, even though everything worked out. And so for me, yes, the faith kind of came immediately, and I'll let Brittany kind of talk as well. Um, yeah, so I I just want to say one thing about Theo. Um, in any situation where I am um, – sad, grieving, going through something difficult, he naturally falls into the caretaker role um, by default. So I, I know that the Lord made him that way, and then he um, orchestrated him to marry me, who I seem to always have something going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, but Theo just really does naturally fall into the, okay, I can't um, take this pain from you, but I'm going to take care of everything else. Um, and so mm-hmm. I really – I I can't really take any credit for um, the team aspect. I was so 
self-consumed and consumed by what was happening in my body and with Hannah. And I really didn't, uh, I didn't have any capacity to see or feel or look anywhere else. Um, And so um, I know that the Lord made Theo in such a way that he would be able to take care um, of the things that I had no capacity for. Um, And yeah, Thea mentioned that I would probably say the opposite about um, the presence of the Lord. I I was very angry and confused, um, and that lasted for me, gosh, I mean, probably a year and a half, only within the last um, month or so have I been able to say that I've kind of turned a corner um, and worked toward redeeming my relationship with the Lord. Um, I have wrestled with him and, and sought, sought him and sought his answers and poured through scripture, um, trying to find answers. Um, and it has just been a very long, um, journey. And, and I would say that Theo and I grieved differently this time, um, in that he kind of grieves in a, like, let's get busy and and do a lot of things so that I don't have to sit here and feel um, all of the feelings. And I used to be that way, but um, but this time I uh, just wanted to sit in it all the time. Um, and so even in our grief, um, we kind of complimented each other because, again, I was sitting and Theo was doing everything else. Um, so um, so God really did um, did make him in such a way that um, has given it gave me a place to grieve and process um, and him the capacity to be able to both grieve and take care of so many logistical things that come from um, this type of loss. And I think just to add to um, to listeners, you know, it, what we weren't perfect by any means, um, and we definitely because we grieved opposite. It worked out on certain days, um, and and part of the time it was complimenting, but the other part of the time, you know, both of us could experience resentment. You know, Brittany feeling like oh, he's just, you know, so much, <laughs> um, and I just want him okay. to sit with me, and me feeling like oh, she's so lazy, why can't she do some of these tasks with me? Um, and so we really worked okay. through that for the first year after losing Hannah, and so, and just realizing, like, I did need to sit sometimes, and Brittany did have to, you know, force herself to do sometimes. And so we um, we struggled with that, too. You know, like, we, we teamed well, but we also, um, over that, you know, a lot um, in that first year, um, but then learned how to how to kind of come out of that or, or help the other person, like, hey, I, I do need you to do some things with me today, or... Brittany would say, hey, I, I think I just need you to sit today. Like, can we, can we put a pause on some of those tasks? So. I, I feel like that you, your words have just comforted so many people because so many people, I believe so many times as believers, we can just, uh, you know, we face tragedy and we go into our homes and we somehow we have this thought that we have to go out and just, you know, be, be okay. Just everything's okay. Praise the Lord. Everything's okay. Um, without it being okay, that it, that there's a struggle for it to be okay, that there's a fight for our faith, like the Bible speaks of, um, you know, that that we do the hard work. And so I just want to thank you all for uh, for acknowledging that because I feel like that that's truly where we are a comfort to other believers is when we say this is not easy, this was really hard, I had to put the work in. And that's what the Bible tells us to do, that we are to be faithful in our work and our daily in our daily walk with him. So for anyone who's listening, I hope that your heart is comforted right now by knowing that whatever you're going through, that God does not run away. He is here for you. He says that he is he is faithful to never leave you 
and that um, sometimes are going to just be a lot harder than other days. How did, um, in, in just a minute or so, because I want to get on to something else, but can you just tell us what, give us a couple things that you did when when the eruption would come, when, when you were seeing odds? Did you pray together? Did you go to counseling together? What what were some practical ways that maybe our listeners could, could, could uh, learn from today? Yeah, we did counseling um, with a ministry called Caleb Ministries. Um, which we can talk about later. And then we um, we had what we called Hannah Days. And then after we lost mm-hmm. James, um, James Days. And that was kind of when Brittany would tell me, like, I think you need, you need a day, you know. Um, and so we got journals with her name on it, and we would write letters to her. Um, and that really helps even now on significant days. But that first year, we wrote a lot to her. Um, and it was just kind of journaling our grief, but also giving us a day when we felt it. Um, so fortunately, I have a very flexible job, and so and and same with Brittany. Um, so I I would say that was the biggest one. What about you, Britt? Yeah, I think those days were significant um, because what I've learned in grieving um, throughout my life is that we can easily push it to the side and avoid it and get busy and um, not talk about it, but it's going to come out somewhere. Um, and so this time around, I think that I was much more conscious of tendency um, to want to push it aside. Um, and instead, I was, I decided, like, we need to be intentional um, with this grief, and we need to make time to sit in it and process it. Um, And I would really encourage that to anyone who's going through any kind of grief um, to just acknowledge the temptation um, to push it to the side um, and pretend like it didn't happen or just avoid it, um, ignore it, or um, if someone asks about it to just say, oh, yeah, everything's fine, um, that is a temptation. But I think it's really important that we are intentional um, to take some time to feel the feelings, um, to let the Lord in into those those places, um, because um, that's where our relationship with him will deepen. Um, and that's, that's the purpose of suffering. It creates um, steadfastness, and it creates um, hope and um, connection to others and all of those things. So that's a place that we really need to be um, conscious of to let the Lord in um, the place, the great site. Mm-hmm. And I think another another way, practical way, especially with a miscarriage, um, you don't have um, necessarily a body um, to bury. And so I think like if you lose a parent or a friend or a family member, um, you always have a, a grave site to go to and sit and and you know some people aren't aren't don't really want to go and sit at a grave site but but something that has been helpful for our family is um we did we did bury hannah um and so we have a grave site for her but then also with james we um we got a stone with his name on it just off of etsy um and put the date um that of the ultrasound where we learned that he didn't have a heartbeat um and so we put that date on there, and, and if you haven't named your baby, you know, you could just put baby and your last name um, if you didn't know the gender or if you just didn't want to do a name, um, and just have a place to go. Um, so every year on that date, um, you can go, or if you're just having a particularly hard day or a sad, sad day, um, you can just go and sit, and it just gives you somewhere, like, physical to go. Um, and sit with that grief and bring the Lord into that um, as well. Uh, just And for the listeners, I know that, uh, you know, I, I, I so believe in taking God's promises and, and, and living them out in a practical way. And God gives us practical ways. And I just want to thank you all for giving some real practical applications of, of comfort, you know, that God gives us. I, and I love you know the the part of having the stone uh to go to what a beautiful thing 
and and journaling, you know, that any counselor will tell you that is that is the most healing thing that you can do and to have journals with uh with their names on it is a beautiful, beautiful thought. And I bet that's a, a new thought to a lot of our listeners today. And that's uh that is a, a great avenue, my friends who are listening out there to be able to um, get out of you what what needs to get out. Um, If we allow it to stay within us, it is going to build and it's going to uh, create a lot of damage and uh, resentments and angers, and there's so much stuff that goes on in there. And we forget one of the scriptures that Brittany and Theo gave me today that is so important, Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And journaling and getting those things out makes room for the steadfastness of God's love that that Brittany so beautifully uh, explained. So uh, friends that are out there, and and I just know, Theo and Brittany, I, I know that there's so many who are listening to this and who will be listening to this, that the tears are streaming, their pain um, is raw, and I think that you you are truly doing what God calls us to, to do to comfort others with the same comfort um, in which he has given us. And so I just pray right now for those who are listening. I just feel like we just need to take a moment for those who are hurting, that, are bring, that this pain is just coming so real to them, uh, parents and grandparents and, and so many who are affected by, by uh, stillbirths and by losses and infertility and, and all those things that happen that, that God will just uh, use, continue to use the words of Theo and Brittany and more importantly his words to comfort the pain in which you are um, wrestling with. And, and I love, I love uh, how Theo and Brittany have both explained the goodness of what God can do and the struggle and the fight to to fight for that faith, to continue to walk to the work. And so um, so we'll move on. We only have about 14 minutes left, so I want to get to something, friends, that's so important because God really does, and I truly believe this, and this is not a trite statement. This is something that is so a biblical principle that God will take. God can take the deepest pains in our heart, the, 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 the wounds, and he can do something within those wounds beyond anything that we could ever imagine. We don't understand the answers, and you hear where Brittany was saying, I, I wanted answers, I wanted to know why. You know, sometimes, and I'm sure she has told us this, sometimes we don't know the whys, and we go on with whatever, God, what would you have us to do? One of the quotes that I've heard so often is, grief is love that has no place to go. Grief is love that has no place to go. Well, I want to finish out our program today talking about how Theo and Brittany have found a place uh, to not only honor Hannah and James, but also to help other grieving people with something that they have done. So would you two please like to tell us um, what what is it that you have started um, that is become um, an annual event, a way to help others with the same kind of losses that you have have had in your life? So we started um, what's called Out of the Ashes 5K and uh, 3K Walk. Um, and one of the, uh, the features of Hannah that, you know, a couple of our families and friends got to see was, um, I was a runner back in the day and our first daughter, Tessa does not have yet what we think is running legs. Um, <laughs> uh, but Hannah mm-hmm. did, um, even, even at 29 weeks, um, something me and my mom kind of, uh, focused in on. And so when we thought about a way that first year to do something to honor, um, God had kind of put that on my heart, a race. Um, Like I said, I was a runner in college. I have a lot of friends who are um, coaches and and whatnot. So I I could lean on some people to say, hey, you know, what's it like to throw a 5K event? And so we did it last year on her first birthday. Um, And the the dream um, came – came to fruition, but um, the 5K was both a competitive, just normal run, and as well as an interactive 3K walk, 
and each um, kilometer represented a um, a trimester in the pregnancy. So we had a table for infertility for those who had experienced infertility, first trimester, second, third trimester losses, and then, of course, infant loss. And so at each table, there were lanterns that people could write down either their family name or if they had a name for the baby that they had lost, um, that baby's name, and light a candle or pray. And then at the end of the 5K, we released these lanterns. Um, and it was both um, honoring and, you know, somber to see how many lanterns were there, you know, to see how many people knew either personally or someone in their family or close friend that they had written down a name. I think there was about 100, a little over 100 lanterns. Um, many people, I would say, used the race as their first time to – um, not necessarily publicly, but even just writing down the name uh, might have been the first time that somebody else could have seen that they had had a miscarriage or were struggling with infertility. Um, you know, there's still, like you mentioned at the beginning of the program, a lot of silence around that. So that was our hope is that this would give an opportunity for people to celebrate the loss that they had, um, to honor that child, to, you know, have a place to talk about it because so often I get to be Tessa and Seth's dad every day. Um, and today I get to be Hannah and James' dad. Um, and it's a rare, that's a rare moment. Um, you know, I don't get to be their dad that often. Um, but on the race day and today being brought on the radio, I get to be their dad and that's special to me. So. Oh, what a great thought that I'd, I would have never thought uh, about. Thank you for sharing that. That's, um, okay, so tell us about the race last year. I remember pictures. I tried to get there. I'm marking it down to be there this year. I pray to be there. I want to be a part of that. Tell us, um, tell us about it. Tell, how do people get involved? Uh, what are your hopes? Uh, where do we go to to sign up? Tell us all about it. Um, sure, yeah. So um, luckily, again, uh, not coincidence, but definitely providential that God um, – gave Theo a vision and gave me skills in graphic design. So um, as a team, we've been able to um, create a website and um, a Facebook and Instagram page, or actually I think just, yeah, just Facebook for now, um, and um, all different kinds of materials and then all the things that we would need for the race, um, like T-shirts and uh, flyers and signs to put up around the neighborhood. Um, and so, yeah, when we first started this idea, um, it was Thea's idea. I, I came around to it much, much, much later. Um, I was very overwhelmed by the thought of a 5K. I was like, why don't we just do, like, a walk around the neighborhood, and um, it can be, you know, something really small, and, and it can be. And I just want to also say and acknowledge that, People do not need to do a 5K to honor their baby, um, and I just want that to not be what you leave feeling guilty or feeling overwhelmed by, you know, this being the only way. Um, this was just um, clearly something the Lord laid on Thea's heart and wanted, um, he wanted to take um, this loss and grow it um, and, and turn it into something that um, people could come to. And again, Jethio said that he could be the dad of, of his kids that he lost. This would be a place where people could come and be parents um, to, to these children that they are grieving still, um, even after decades. Um, some people that had come that came last year um, may not have ever really told any one of their loss and they got to light a lantern and release it um, to remember their baby from, you know, 40 years before. Um, so that's just been super special. And that's going to be our hope every year um, that um, this would be one place to come. And, and sadly, you know, we've in the last year we've met, we've not met, but we have experienced the loss um, with our friends, several of our friends um, in the last year. So we know that those, friends of ours that are coming to this race this year, it's a totally different experience for them now um, than it was then um, last year. So, and then we know that those numbers are going to grow just statistically. One in four um, women experience miscarriage. One in 160 experience 
um, stillbirth and one in eight experienced infertility. Um, so it's just staggering numbers. So we know that those um, numbers will continue to go up um, with each year. Um, but so we want as many people to be able to participate as, as possible. So we've created an event um, in person in our neighborhood. Um, and um, you can sign up at, on our website, and it's outoftheashes5k.com. Um, and, and so that we can have as many people as possible, we also have a virtual um, aspect where you can sign up um, to run it virtually, which and you would just do a 5K in your own town, um, you know, map out your run. You can use Map My Run or whatever um, and do the run or walk yourself. But we send you a packet with a T-shirt and some other little gifts, um, and then you can tune in to our program afterwards, um, which we're going to put on Facebook Live. So we try to make it um, as easy as possible for people to participate. Um, and we also send a candle if you if you write down that you're running or walking for um, a specific child, um, then we'll send you a candle in your virtual race packet that you can light that day um, and be able to um, acknowledge that life um, with us that day. Um, and just to add, that, so it's, yeah. it's out of the ashes of 5K dot com and you can register for the in-person the virtual and donate and all the proceeds go towards um caleb ministries which is the ministry that did the counseling for us um, it was also the ministry that brought us a box in the hospital when we were delivering hannah um you know there's so many things that you need in that labor experience like a gown for that exact size of that baby if you do want to take pictures or somewhere to store the footprints and handprints. And so they provide that um, all, all around, actually. Um, and then they provide um, counseling as well. So um, that's where the proceeds to the race go to help other others who are um, going through this type of loss. Um, so you can donate, sign up virtually, or sign up in person um, if you're somewhere in the area. Beautiful. I want uh, listeners. I want you to know. I'll be posting this on my website as well as on Facebook.com/slash Roses and Rainbows. Uh, I'll be providing all this information. I hope that you'll go. And if you can't go in person, you can go uh, virtually. If you can't go in virtually, then I hope that you will uh, find a way to give. Give whatever you can to support. Uh, this Cape of Ministries, which you can tell what an incredible ministry they have. So, um, Theo, Brittany, again, I just want to thank you all so much. What a beautiful sound it was to hear uh, while you were talking, how beautiful it was to hear Seth's little cry um, or little noises in the back, not a cry, just his little gurgling noises, to see that God has come back and he's blessed you in a very special way with this with this new baby that you is only six six weeks old and so what a blessing that is. We we have about a minute left. Uh, I'd like for I'd like for you all, if you would, I want you to speak to those who are listening today who are just raw with this. What would be your word of encouragement in the midst of their loss? Maybe their loss was Thirty years ago, maybe it was three days ago. Maybe they're just finding out. What would be your word of hope to each to, to them today? Um, I I would like to say um, to just acknowledge that this grief is real. Um, I think there's a lot out there that can minimize um, pain around miscarriage um, and just acknowledge that this loss is significant. Um, losing a child is losing a future. Um, and so there's a lot that you'll experience in your future that you'll remember, you know, how old your baby would have been or um, just what your baby might have looked like or what they would have come to be. Um, and so I think just acknowledging um the, the grief and the significance of the loss. Um, and as you feel that pain deeply, I think that um, just to encourage you that that, that pain is worth feeling. Um, you're honoring this life um, by feeling that pain and letting yourself feel that is really um, healthy. Um, I think that 
you know, there is a balance, obviously, and I think that it's important to also um, just take some time to share um, with family, with friends, um, people at your church, um, a pastor, a counselor. Uh, I think sharing is so important, and we have just learned, like, if it wasn't for people having shared before our experience, we wouldn't have, we would have felt very alone in it. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to get through it ourselves. And so we wanted to be able to be those people um, as well. So so sharing and sitting in that grief um, and letting the Lord in. Um, well, and we're going to have say, to end it. Oh, sorry. We have about 30 I seconds. I would say uh-huh. um, name the baby and speak of, of them often, even if it's just to the Lord. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you all so much. We'll have to come back after the race to see how it was. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us for coffee. May you be comforted in the same way that God has comforted Theo and Brittany and continues to comfort them. Thank you so much for joining us right here on Coffee. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. To learn more about Kim's books, teaching materials, or to invite Kim to speak at your event, please visit kimcrable.com. Thank you for joining us today. And remember, to learn more, please visit kimcrable.com.